Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. The topic is welcome to church. And you know, I think maybe it might be nice just to welcome someone and say, yeah, welcome to church. Hallelujah. Amen. Welcome to church. Amen. Now, a couple of things as we begin to look at the church. When we start off, you would see that, see, there is something about God from the onset. The Bible says that if you, the Bible even describes him. The Bible says in, in the book of Psalms, the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament will show forth his handiwork. So basically what he's saying is that you cannot, and that is why, you know, it's not what we're talking about, but that is why the Bible says that God, Jesus, is the, full, is the fullness of Godhead. Because you can have a perception of God from different avenues. That is why some people can view God as, oh, the holy loving God that doesn't do anything um, harsh on people. And the other one that sees God as, because they are seeing God from different perceptions. So, but when you see the person of Jesus, that's why the Bible calls that it, it's, it is in him you have the fullness. So, you would see he's the same one that caused the fig tree is the same one that died for people. He's the shepherd, sorry, he's the sheep and the lion together. And that is where the balance lies. The perfect image of who Jesus is. But as we, as, as we try to look at the church, so what I'm trying to say is that let's look at it the way God has constantly been introducing it. He's been talking about his house, his house, his house, his house. And one thing, when we look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, the Bible says that God was saying, I see, it is a copy of everything. Now, this is when God told Moses to build a tabernacle. But he told Moses, he said, make sure you build the tabernacle according to pattern. That means what he's saying is that I've shown you a pattern and I'm particular that when you are building it, it is following that pattern in heaven. And you would see this when you go to a royal place. You know, I went to, not here, hallelujah, amen, but I went to somewhere close to it, um, the Westminster Palace. I went to, you know, went to what they call it, the visiting. It's nice to kind of visit those places and things like that. So you would see, you know, you rather than just seeing MPs on, 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 on TV, you would see where they sit. You would see, you know, you would be in the room. You would see what it looks like and things like that. But what I'm trying to say is that there is the part where we walk to where the queen normally comes in and things like that. And you would see that every poster, every picture there is placed there for a reason. So as she walks through the hall, she has a room that she goes in first. We were there. Then she walks in to go and read the opening of the parliament. But as she's walking through, there are pictures of our forefathers pasted all across, basically reminding her that the, what you are doing, your great-great-great-grandfather did the same. 
and it is, it is for her to walk and understand what she is, the importance of what she is doing. That if you walk this road and you fail, your poster, your picture will be pasted there and somebody else will point at you. When you go to Downing Street, in, in Downing Street, there is steps within the Downing Street, the premise, and you see if you've watched closely at times, there are pictures of prime ministers. They are aligned as they go on that staircase. So each time you wake up in the morning as a prime minister, you would remember there are people that came before you. What am I trying to say is that so also, when God talks about his house, there are particular things. There is a dimension he expects of it. And you see it in God's nature. You know, that's what we call ecosystem. You know, a bit of science. Ecosystem, I'm not rebellion, but, you know, ecosystem. Hallelujah. Amen. So you have ecosystem. Let's go to the next one, please. Now, ecosystem, for those who, who, when, who, who probably have forgotten, amen, it's just basically how the planet interacts with itself. So you taking oxygen, you breathe out carbon dioxide. Or the tree outside takes in your carbon dioxide, gives you oxygen. So there is a relationship between me and that tree. That is why you have everybody shouting, don't keep cutting down trees, all this kind of stuff. Because the way God created the world, everything is connected. Everything is connected. So I just kind of felt, you know, why am I saying this? I'm trying to picture the mind of who God is. That everything has a process. It doesn't just do things out of the blue. And when you take something out of sync, you are likely to struggle with it. Does that make sense at this point? God help us in Jesus' name. Now, let's see where God places the church with the vision in the Bible, why the Bible talks about where the church is supposed to be. Michael chapter 4, he says, Now it shall come in the later days, or the last days, that the mountain of the house of God shall be established above the mountain and be exalted above all hills, and people shall flow into it. Let's go on, please. He said, Many nations shall come and shall come shall, shall come and say come let us go up to the mountain of the lord to the house of the god of jacob he will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his path so he's saying that this is what the church should be this is where god is saying this is what my house would be in the last days that everybody will begin to flow into it and say you know what they i have I, there are certain things I don't understand. There are certain things I need to know. He said, you will keep flowing in as you go in. He said, you would, he said people would keep coming in into the house of God. Would you say that is what is happening now? Would you say that's what is happening now? And 
I will take you back to the first mention of the word, the house of God. And you would understand where we are and why a couple of things are a bit of a challenge for every one of us. I'm talking about this church, I'm talking about the body of Christ. The first person that encountered whatever is called the house of God was Jacob. And Jacob said, he said, the Bible says, and he woke up from his sleep and he said, surely the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. Then he said, this is no other place than the house of God, the gates of heaven. So what am I trying to say is that the first person that encountered Wherever is called a church had no clue what it was. And you will see this pattern flowing through the scriptures. That the challenge first is that when people are in a church, they have no clue what a church is. We are not alone. Jacob had the same experience. We're getting some of this. Now, I'm going to pick from where Jesus first of all introduced the church. Because I think that would be a right way to pick it up from Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And Jesus said, Sorry, and and I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of heaven will not prevail. Do you know the problem here? That is where I want you to begin to see where we are going. Jesus was attending a tabernacle, but he was talking about, I am going to build a church. What he was saying is that if you if your perception of this tabernacle that you see is the entrance of the church I'm talking about, then you've missed it. Does this make sense? And he was saying, I will build. That means he hasn't started. So the question is, what is the church that Jesus was talking about? People would say, ah, no, it is the global church. See, there are two different, and he taught on those two himself before he left. Now, I've had conversations with people at times. Someone was telling me some not so long that you know, people can you know, people can sit at home. In this generation now there is so much um, what's it called? There is so much online stuff. You can do your service at home and you are fulfilled. You are part of the church. I understand that. But the challenge with that is that 
is the way people have been taught about what church is. There is a man called Chris Oyakilome. Until maybe recently, he was one of those who spent the largest on TV. When I was still in secondary school or so, Oyakilome was paying the TV director a million naira per month. That was how much he was investing in TV ministry. And I made a statement one day. He said, when people begin to take TV ministry as a substitute for church, he said, I have failed before God. That is the man, you, you, wow, you are watching me for free, but this is the man that throws out millions of dollars. And he's saying, the day we reach that point, we are failed. Show you a couple of scriptures. It wasn't a new pattern. It's not a new trend. Matthew, sorry, Acts chapter seven, verse seventeen, verse eleven. He said they were more fair-minded than the Thessalonians, that they received the word with all readiness and sat through the scriptures daily to find out to, to, to find out whether these things were so. What was he saying is that after they taught them, they went home and they continued to develop themselves. It was never a substitute. Acts chapter 2 verse 46. The Bible says they were, they, they continued daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread in their house. What does this mean? When they say bread, it's not your normal bread, it was a communion. So that means that they were meeting in the house, but daily also in the temple. This is the holy church. So people were having, for example, prayer meetings at home. But it was never a substitute. That was why Oyakilome would say, we failed our generation because this is not the way forward. So as we begin to look at what exactly a church is as prescribed by who started it, I think we would begin to kind of um, have the more understanding. I'll give you an example. Next, next slide. This is a private jet. I saw, I saw, I saw this. I was, you know, I was like, ah, oh, God. <laughs> there is plane and there is plane. <laughs> um, I don't know how I'm trying not, I don't know how, but please just forgive me. I don't know how best to put it. There is motto and there is oko. <laughs> there is cars and they are moving machines. 
They are, they, are, they, are, they are both cars that are going the same place. You, you get what I'm trying to say? But there are some that they call, these are cars. And I come that people pass, and they're going, this is a machine going. <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say? So this is a machine. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, the major essence of this plane is not for you to sleep. With all this interior, with how great this is, if you think that, can I have the thoughts like this? If you think that because this one is okay and you now want to stay here, the truth remains you are going nowhere because this is an hotel. Flip your side, please. No, the next one. You are better off taking this one than, the next one, please. No, than staying here. Does that make sense? Because if you are going to Nigeria and you say, well, I want a first class treatment and you go and book an hotel, you are going nowhere. Because the first priority, the major role of that luxurious plane that we saw is not so, if, so that you can sleep. It is the most, see, if this plane is so beautiful and you want to go to France, you will not go and pay them while the plane is stationary. Because the point is not, you will say, well, I need to go from A to B. What am I trying to say is that the first thing first is not, does it have all these amenities? The first thing in your mind is, I am going to fly. But when you don't understand certain things, you will look for a place, an hotel, that you will sleep, roll from one side of the bed to another. If God helps you, you will dream and see yourself in France. <laughs> but by the time you wake up, you open the door, you hear somebody say, good morning, rather than bonjour. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. God help us in Jesus' name. There has been a turn in the body of Christ. And I begin to tell, bring you close to what Jesus, that's where we'll start from, to what Jesus begins to define what a church is. Is that there is this man. Have you ever heard about him? He's called, he was a Roman emperor. Constantine. Is it Constantine? Constantine, hallelujah. Do you know what he did? It was a wonderful move. It was a well-taught move. But it was the beginning of the turn of the body of Christ. Before this man in the fourth, in the fourth century, can I make sense? Before this man in the fourth century, Christians, once people gave their life to Christ, 
the maximum time you can live by God's grace, then their average lifetime afterwards was about a year, a year and a half. That was the average time. Because as soon as they caught them, they killed them. Abu were still giving their life to Christ. So he had an encounter with God. There were some things that happened in his time. So he gave his life to Christ. And because of the joy that he saw, he made Christianity a national religion. So everybody began to enter. So if you were born in Rome, you're a Christian. In fact, some people that wanted to see, have favor with the king, you have to come to church. So the church was growing. However, that was never the entry path to the church. So you see somebody will say, I'm a Christian. How? They get back to me as a Christian. I'm in church. How? I was born in church. So the definition began to change. So you had nationality was equated to being a church member. Because you, you had a friend or my, family, my brother was in church and we came to church together and I go to that church, was equated as a church member. Which was a far cry from what was happening when people saw the sword and you had to make a decision yourself either to join the church or not. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. It was not a bad intention. However, what it led to was a floodgate of people who had no understanding of what the church is about but joined the church anyway. Amen. So let's go back quickly. So that's why I said, welcome to church. You know, at times you might need to look at the verse and say, mm, are we in church? <laughs> and that 14th century opened doors for a lot of things. In countries, in families, everything. In fact, that was when the rich stepped into the church more. Why? Because... They were robing with the king. There are a lot of things that are here. Please read the history books you understand better. So the Christian became. Now, I want to, before we, I want to describe the apostles. These men left their houses. Are we together? These men did miracles. These men healed the sick in Matthew 7. These men 
In Matthew 6, Jesus taught them how to pray. Can I first of all ask you, if you can do all of this, then you are a member of a church. In fact, that is the proof that you are in church. Are we together? Do, does anybody disagree? Amen? Any contrary opinion? Hallelujah. This is what church is. In fact, this is for the elite in church, the ones that are very grounded in church. They must have left everything. I go to church every day. I have been there. I do this. I do that. Yes, perfect. They left everything. Oh, I, I when, when, see, when, when I'm ministering, he, people are getting healed. Perfect. Oh, you know, the church, church is the prayer house of God. When I, when I pray, the fire comes from heaven. Right? Now, let's see where Jesus introduced the position of the church. It was in Matthew 16. And this is how he started. When Jesus came to the region in, in Caesarea in Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do men say I am? These men have left everything. But he was saying, the definition of the church, I now want the entrance to a church starts from this question. Who do people think I am? Then he went further and he said, who do you think I am? The part of the church to enter the church itself. I'm not saying join a congregation that's different. Is understanding for yourself who Jesus is. You can do a lot of things. Like I said, they did all the miracles, they prayed, they did everything, and they got to Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said, okay, now we, are now, we now want to move into a church. But these are the prerequisites. Who do you think I am? Now, the question is that I know you've been in church for a while. I know you do a lot of things in church. And we'll begin to define where you are in the scriptures. Who do you think Jesus is? That is why the problem now is that we have the Constantine Church that has kept growing massively and people keep coming in genuinely which is great, to seek prayers, to seek this, to seek that, which is wonderful. But there is an important entrance as far as Jesus was concerned. Is that what is your understanding of who I am? 
And when Peter was going to answer, he said, you are Christ, the Son of God. Oh, sorry, I missed that. That's not the way you read things. You are the Christ, the Son of God. What does that mean? D is a definite article. English 101. Hallelujah. That means he is not a Christ. He is the Christ. What this means is that there is no other way. This is the holy way. When I say go and get me the boy, you, you would ask who is the person. But when I say go and get me a boy, you just go in there and pick somebody. So when he said, you are the Christ, he's basically saying, you are the answer. It was on this revelation, on this, that Jesus opened the doors of the church. How many people in church believe that Jesus is the? I was talking to someone I met, we were just having a chat, and the guy was is a Buddhist. And he said, I said, have you been to a church before? He said, I love it when I got when, when I went there. I said, okay. I said, so I said, what was the experience? It was lovely. They were praying. I said, oh, okay. And he said that, you know, and he said that, you know, people pray. You know, they pray here, they pray, they pray, and things. And I know it's, it's, it's all lovely. But that was what he was told. Because those who were in church had no clue what the door was. So I said, do you know that they are called Christians for a reason? He said, mm, Yeah. Have you ever thought why they're called Christians? That means Christ comes first. Christ said, if you are, I think it's Indian. I said, you are an Indian because you come from India. I am Nigerian because I come from Nigeria. I don't know, you don't have, you don't have Britishians, but they're Jamaicans because you come from Jamaica. I mean, that's how they call it. Kingston, Jamaica. So what I'm saying is that that is the reason why they are called Christians. But it has become so rampant that people don't even know why they are called Christians. This definition has got the church filled with congregation and little in church. Then Jesus said, now, the Christ means you are the Messiah. We will get to that. But Jesus was saying, on this rock, not on Peter, I understand that there are doctrines that say that, you know, Peter is the beginning of the church. At least that's what Jesus was saying. It is on this word 
that I will build my church. So the first prerequisite Jesus chose to open up acceptance into a church is not if you know how to pray or if you know how to fast or if you know how to. It is the first question, who is Jesus to you? Have we had so many other invitations of, oh, ah, I've been praying a long time, you've been in church, you work hard, ah, you are a church member. You are. May God help us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So, now when you read Acts chapter 2, you would see how the Bible constructs it. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Please, if you read this well, it says, praising God and a fine favor with all the people. So the, the church was influential. People loved them. But the Lord had it. This is how God hearts. The Lord had it to the church daily. Those who were being Saved. People read this and may. That is how, if you read through the book of Hearts, God had to the church based on salvation. You cannot judge based on anything. That's your, that's, you know, people are free to do anything. But God had to his church based on salvation. So someone can be in church for a long time and not yet being hardened by God into a church. Does this make sense? Welcome to church. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'll give you just a picture so you can kind of understand what I'm talking about. Is that what I'm talking about? Um, just a picture of our church. Now, this is how you can view it. This is what is called the universal church. Like I said, this one. All in here are local churches. That's why when Paul will be talking is that we have one baptism, one, one, one spirit, one baptism. What he's saying is that we are all, no matter which denomination you belong to. Somebody was asking me something, and I said something, the person didn't really understand, but, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. I said, I'll be a failure if the first thing you know about me is that this guy is a CNS person. Your first understanding of me should be he's a child of God. If they identify you first by your denomination, you belong to a denomination, you don't belong to the church. People can come, but if they identify you first by your roots, you still have a journey to make. Because the first description the Bible calls about a church is the universal one. Then, the local one. 
God grant us understanding in the name of Jesus. So, I have a picture of a hand. Now, I would say this. There is... Can I have next slide, please? Now, this is the picture of the church. This person is in the body, but not in a local church. Most of the time, these people are what people would call the, mat the mattered ones. Most of these people see that when, like I said, when the early church started, some people, as they gave their life to Christ, their life went. But when you see that the majority, and we'll be talking more about this, the majority, according to scriptures, are attached to a local church. This is only for martyrdom. What do they call them? Martyrs. People who are being sacrificed for their faith. Or somebody who is at the verge of death and gives their life to Christ. They, can, they have not been hardened by God. I didn't do these pictures. But what I'm trying to say is that majority, and I would, you know, you have scriptures here, and I would be teaching so much on that as we go into the membership classes and things like that. And there are reasons biblically why the Bible refers to those things. Okay. In fact, when the next time Jesus taught on church, he taught on the authorities within the church. That's why you have this prayer of where two or more are gathered in my name um, and things like that. It is not about prayer alone. You read that scripture. He wasn't talking about prayer. A part was talking about prayer. That's another time Jesus quoted it and was talking about prayer then you understand why Jesus would say that people had to be hard dead to the church. Because in that story, please, I'm, I'm going ahead of my time, in, 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 that, in that area, Jesus said that, we're talking about how to process someone that has had one or two issues. Then he said, when the church leadership has spoken, and that person says no, Jesus made a statement. He said, treat them like a Gentile. What was he saying? They are in the church but they are not in the church. So Jesus himself put a demarcation on who is in the body versus who is outside. But if there is no demarcation, there will be no way for you to do what Jesus said because everybody is in church. You see where the challenges are for us now as the body of Christ? Because everybody that walks through the door is in church. One of my mentors was talking about something. I was listening to him yesterday. He said that he went to a place to go and preach. About 20, 12 hours journey. So they got there. He's a very vast preacher. He got there and he was preaching. He was about to preach and the service was about to start. So as he walked in, he said, the elders of the church Pulled him and said, ah, come, sir. How are you? We've heard so much about you. It's wonderful. He said, but we want you to give us, in simple terms, sir, 
how you met Jesus. What is your testimony? What were they checking? If you are in the church. He said he shared it with them. And he said, ah, that is good. Thank you. We are at peace. But we want you to do something. And he said, you know, the Bible says, be careful how you lay hands. So they now took him. He said, sit down, enjoy the service. And he did. The sermon was done and things like that. And he finished. And he said, you can go. He traveled 12 hours back. Home. Angry. When he now came down and God said, that is the way it should be done. They needed, I was saying to someone when we were listening together, I said, the first thing was to check his testimony. The second was to check his fruit. And said, God told him, it is a, 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 a shepherd that has no clue that will open his pulpit for somebody who is not in the church. He went back to that church and he's preaching to them and they were like so many. He said, I hope you have that same standard here because I see that you just brought me in and you want me to preach. <laughs> because like we saw the disciples, they healed, they prayed, they did all that, but when Jesus was about to talk about the church, he had to ask them those personal questions. And when I heard it, you know, it was, I learned from that. I understand that, that my mentor is a bit harsh, he's a bit strong. He was saying, he said, that is why. He said, in the days, you cannot be called to sing in a church, except it can testify if you are in the, if you are in the faith. That was what Jesus said. If you read Matthew, that was what Jesus was talking about when he said, no, in the church, there are those in the church and there are those that are not. Before he told Peter, on, on this rev, on you would I build my church, he had to answer that question. And when God was sitting, God said, no, what they did was right. He said, those are the shepherds that are close to my heart. They will not just bring you because they've seen you on whatever it is and they said, just come. Does that make sense? God grant us grace in Jesus' name. So as we wrap this up, because it's important that as we begin to progress on this, we understand what a church is. Now, you of course you have what the Bible calls what the Bible calls. Um, uh, just just read it, please. Uh, no, the, the next slide. What the Bible calls. That you, um, the Bible says one baptism, one faith, and God help us in Jesus' name. Let's go on, please. Now, there is what is called, the Bible calls you overseers, the, the, the shepherd of the church of God. The shepherd of the church, which God has made you overseers. So that means there are many of them, they are shepherds. But when you go to the next um, um, Acts also, I believe, or Hebrews, no, 
Hebrews says that the Bible calls Jesus the great shepherd. So you have the great shepherd, then you have shepherds. That means that before, please go to Hacks for a please. Now, he said, therefore take it to yourselves, to the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit made you. So that means that as a shepherd, you, if somebody gives their life to Christ, that person is allocated to somebody. That's what he said. The, um, to the flock which the Holy Spirit had made you. So there is nobody in the body, in the universal body, that is meant to be roaming about. You are allocated to someone. We'll be talking much about that as we go on. You are allocated to someone. God grant us grace in Jesus' name. Now the challenge is that the Bible calls the church the foundation of truth. And I was just brought up something which the times or Time World, Time Magazine. This is in, I think, 1999 or so. The statement was, God is dead. Is God dead? 2017, Time Magazine came to a point that is truth dead. Because when the values of God are brought to, to the back room, very soon, truth will be missing. This is not scriptures. But that's why the Bible says, Jesus was saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I would close with the story of this man. His name is called Oscar Wilde. Many of us know him. You know him. Hallelujah. He's a lovely poet. He writes a lot. He died in his 40s. He made some very bold statements in his lifetime. But in his deathbed, there is a, um, a, a poem about the blood sorry, the blood reading that Oscar Wilde said, sorry, Oscar Wilde said, only Christ is big enough to clean his heart and forgive him for all he has done. You will not appreciate how much he knew that he had to be purchased by the blood of Christ, except you know him well. One of his quotes, or two of his quotes, he says, I think God in creating man is somehow overstating his abilities. This was when Oscar was Oscar. He was quoted as saying also, 
He said, you will be fond of me. I represent all the sins you will ever have had the courage to commit. So he said, don't worry. I am at the peak of everything. But later, he discovered that he was, he needed the blood of Christ to first wash him clean to come into the church. Unfortunately, he never lived in a local church, but he was able on his deathbed to meet Christ. This is the story of Oscar Wilde. Can I have the, 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 the just the, the Guardian said the explicit the sorry Wilde's explicit life explode sorry exposed in explicit court files. When court began after he had gone, when investigations began to come about, so when he said. It is only Christ that is big enough to clean my heart. He knows what he's talking about. The last scripture I would give us, the last scripture that I would give us is Acts chapter 20. We read it before. Just go to the previous slide before that. Yeah. And I'm going to use this scripture to ask you a question. As Jesus, as Paul was talking, he said, therefore take heed to yourself and to the flock among which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. To, 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 the, uh, to the shepherd of the church of God which he purchased by his blood. I am talking about this last statement. The church which he purchased by his blood. The blood of Jesus was shed for the whole world. But the only thing the blood of Jesus was able to buy was the church. I don't think you get what I'm trying to say. There are some products in Tesco that you can only buy. No, there was a time they said they were selling pampas. People were buying them bulk. And I think they were taking it to China or something like that. So when we got to Tesco, they said, you know, you, you can only buy a certain, I don't know if they're still doing it out. You can only buy a certain number. Because people were buying it in bulk and exporting it out. Baby milk, yeah, baby milk and things like that. Because, you know, when people see England, it's not a problem. So, Tesco had to put a band on it and say, you know, you can only buy two or three. So, even if you had 10 million pounds in your account, because there is a restriction, you can only buy two. 
The blood of Jesus is able to buy the whole world, but it's only restricted to the church. And what is the restriction? It is your decision. Either you want to come into the church or you want to stay out. Which he purchased with his blood. Jesus can buy the whole world. But when he's walking out of the supermarket, he can only carry what he purchased. If Jesus were to walk past today with a basket shopping basket. Do you think you'll be an item walking out? I get the fact that you've been praying. I get the fact that you can, you, 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 you've seen encounters with, with, with heaven. It is wonderful. The apostles had that. But that was not irrelevant when it came to the definition of what then you would understand why people were able to sell everything that they had. Because what connected them was not money. What connected them was not friendship. What connected them was the blood. For if the blood is taken away and every other thing connects people, that's why challenges are there. Let us rise up. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.